0: Listener-supported, WNYC Studios.
1: It's the Brian Lehrer Show on WNYC. Good morning again, everyone. Almost four years after Superstorm Sandy... Thousands of people affected by severe flooding still haven't returned to their homes, despite billions of dollars being poured into the recovery effort. Now a new joint investigation by NPR and the PBS documentary series Frontline has found that private insurance companies and contractors have made hundreds of millions of dollars, while many homeowners, still in unresolved situations, say they've been underpaid for the damage done to their properties. The investigation is part of an hour-long documentary titled The Business of Disaster, which you may have heard on NPR's Morning Edition this morning. The documentary is also available at npr.org and at pbs.org slash frontline. Here to tell us more about the investigation is one of the reporters who worked on it, NPR News investigative correspondent, Laura Sullivan. Hi, Laura. Welcome to WNYC.
0: Hi. Thanks so much for having me.
1: I want to play some clips from your story and talk about mm-hmm. them. You discovered private insurance companies use certain kinds of damage assessments to mm-hmm. underpay many homeowners who filed flood claims. Here's a scene from the documentary, just eight seconds really, where Steve Moston, who represents Sandy Plaintiff's, discusses some uh, suspicious practices used by the engineering firms that the insurance companies used to assess damaged homes.
0: I'm talking about a process where a person who never went to the house, never saw the house, never discussed with the original engineer, changed the report.
1: A person who never went to the house, never saw the house, never discussed it with the original engineer, changed the report. Tell us more about what Steve Mostyn is describing there.
0: Yeah, so Steve Mawson is one of the plaintiff's attorney representing, uh, with some other attorneys, like 1,300 of these lawsuits. And what they found after scouring through these engineering reports is that so many of them said the same thing time and time again, even though the engineers were different and they went to different houses and and it wouldn't make sense for all these things to come up with the same thing. And they said that what they found was actually a template that the insurance companies, they allege, were using to sort of make all all the homeowners be paid less. And they would use words like settlement or earth movement or not you know, not affected by hydrostatic pressure or something that would suggest that these homes were like this before the storm and that the storm was not what caused this damage to them. And that allowed, according to the attorneys in these cases, these homeowners to be shorted on a widespread basis. And one of the sources we found in the industry We talked to a couple of them who worked for the insurance companies, and one of them talked to us on the record. The other ones felt that they would lose their jobs or would never be able to work in the industry again. But the one who did talk to us, Jeff Coolidge, said that, you know, when he worked for the insurance companies, that he was told to pay homeowners less. And he was told to tell them, take this out, take that out, take, you know, the fireplace out of the of the claims to make sure that the adjusters in the field are in line and his job was as a supervisor over those adjusters and he said he was able to get them in line by basically threatening to take their pay from them
1: that one particular technique uh, or exclusion in an insurance policy that you referred to as earth movement what's
0: that (laughs) so this is a term that many Sandy homeowners are intimately familiar with Long-term earth movement basically means that the natural forces over a long period of time damaged your home, not whatever disaster just occurred. And this was very confusing to a lot of Sandy homeowners because they would have pictures saying... I didn't have cracks in my foundation three months before my storm, or I happened to have these photos, or I had a surveyor come out to my house for some other reason, and there are no cracks in my foundation. And the day after my storm, of the storm, I have cracks all over my foundation. And so people, you know, were saying this doesn't make any sense, but the insurance companies were holding firm on this and saying, no, it was long-term earth movement that damaged your home.
1: So here's another Sandy plaintiff lawyer, John Hotaling, discussing... How Insurance Companies Use the Earth Movement Exclusion to Underpay Homeowners. We have no dispute that there's an Earth Movement Exclusion. Our dispute is, did the flood trauma break the foundations of the homes? Or was it like that before? They're making up fake facts to put it into the exclusion. That's the problem. So for this NPR and PBS Frontline investigative report... Did you get to confront people at the insurance companies and say, fake facts, show me that these aren't fake facts?
0: We did. We reached out to uh, the largest insurance companies in the country, and they all declined our request for an interview. They did put us in touch with um, the Insurance Information Institute, which uh, said that this that homeowners were not systemically underpaid and that the, pro- the program is not that profitable for the insurance companies and yeah. that these were, this was a huge disaster and there's always going to be people who complain. And that was uh, sort of what they said was happening out there. The question that came up in this investigation, though, is why? Why were there tens of thousands of homeowners who believed that they were shorted? And it turns out they actually were shorted because FEMA has reopened claims review and 19,000 people came forward. And so far, FEMA's finding that 80% of them were shorted by their, by their insurance companies. Huh. So, how much so the of this is was funded
1: why? by? FEMA flood insurance, in other words, by tax dollars, rather than even the insurance company's own profit centers.
0: Exactly. So that is at the heart of this entire thing. FEMA Flood insurance is paid for largely by taxpayers. Insurance companies don't pay these claims. They're just the middlemen. They, you know, they will process the claim on behalf of FEMA, and they get paid a billion dollars a year minimum for this service of processing claims and just managing people's flood insurance. So they get paid regardless, and it doesn't matter to them how big the storm is, because if a storm comes, taxpayers or the program, the pot of money the program sets up, pays these claims. So, so why is $23 billion in debt.
1: So why would the private insurance company, who are just contractors here as you described it, uh, make up fake facts to lowball homeowners when their profits aren't at stake?
0: Exactly the question. There are three theories out there. One is that it's just the normal practice of insurance companies to try to keep costs in check and to not overpay homeowners. And it's just good business, even if it's not their money. The second theory that we heard was that FEMA, after Katrina... Program goes into debt. They try to crack down a little bit on the insurance companies for overpaying claims because they were assigning claims to, uh, wh- you know, flood coverage rather than their own wind coverage because they didn't want to pay them after Katrina. So maybe there was a little bit of a crackdown there. But the third theory is what we heard from people all over, from staffers on Capitol Hill, from people in the industry, from sources who worked for for the insurance companies, that the insurance companies may have been shorting homeowners because they wanted to save the program because it is so lucrative for them. And they were able to save the program by cutting down the debt, and to cut down the debt, they shorted homeowners. Hmm.
1: Now, you also looked into cases where people who didn't have flood insurance had to depend not on the federal government, FEMA, but on the New York City Build It Back program, which has suffered from similar dysfunction. What is, uh, remind people, what is Build It Back, and why were many homeowners dissatisfied with that program?
0: So Build It Back is one of these programs that a state that faces a disaster comes up with. They get money from the federal government. In this case, the federal government sent uh, New York and New Jersey $8 billion. And each state, each local area, each city is able to come up with its own disaster recovery program. New York came up with Build It Back, and it has been Uh, a very um, troubled program from the beginning. Uh, There are signs that it's turning around now that it's finally getting some homes built, that homes are getting elevated. But at the end of the day, this is a program that's costing taxpayers $1.7 billion. And uh, it's going to elevate 2,000 homes, and it's going to help renovate 7,000 others in an area where 300,000 homes were damaged or destroyed. So the question is, where where is this money going, and what are we doing with it? And you, and other areas of the country haven't been able to do this much better. You know, you know, in Louisiana after Katrina, in 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 Texas and Florida after Ike and Andrew, and Francis. You know, every, every state has struggled with this, where there was. Mismanagement and incompetence and years long delays while people, thousands of people, were out of their homes. And we saw in this program, uh, you know, that they were, you know, in one case is the, that they were paying the people who were sent out to help people, you know, minimum wage. And they were getting workers who were, you know, had no experience in this. Most of them were cashiers at Walmart or, you know, work that they did not have any experience in the insurance field and in the rebuilding field and in helping people recover from a disaster. And they were getting paid minimum wage, and yet the, the companies were charging the city somewhere between $40 to $100 an hour for those same positions.
1: New York City Comptroller Scott Stringer audited the Build It Back program, and in your documentary, this is what he says he discovered. Think about how outrageous it is that we were paying these huge consulting companies hundreds of thousands of dollars a month for creating a system using unqualified people with no oversight by the city. The one thing that stood out of this audit, the consultants always got paid, and that became what this was about. So, Laura, what good do you hope comes of this NPR and PBS Frontline collaboration? If if you hit a journalistic home run, you know, defined as a big public reveal that prompts a change in policy, what might change?
0: So, we're we actually we are starting to see some changes this week on the same. Uh, day that our story came out or the night before our story came out, FEMA announced sweeping changes to the flood program. They're going to pull the flood program um tight under their control through an administrative change, bring it under FEMA's control. They said that they're going to reevaluate the contracts with the private insurance companies. They say they're going to look at the profit margins that these companies are making, and uh, they're going to start reviewing the appeals process and, and the fact that they pay the legal bills of all these insurance companies. Because it's impossible to sue the insurance companies if you have to pay 30 percent of whatever you collect, from your home and, you know, out of your pocket to your lawyer, and then FEMA's paying the legal bills of all the insurance companies, they can drag that out for years. Um, the The takeaway for for this story is that at a time when tens of thousands of people were out of their homes and suffering after Sandy, the private insurance companies walked away with $400 million in profit, those in, in the wake of Sandy. And it's difficult to understand how they could have made such so much profit at a time when so many people were saying they were underpaid by those same companies.
1: The documentary is called The Business of Disaster. It is an investigative report jointly by NPR and the PBS program Frontline. We thank NPR News investigative correspondent Laura Sullivan for walking through some of it individually with us here at WNYC. Thank you so much.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: Brian Lehrer on WNYC. Stay with us.